Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott joining you. It's 1233 in Edmonton. Oilers now brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Uh, momentarily, uh, we're going to head off to our River Cree Resort and Casino hotline. Starting December 1st, slot machines uh, at the River Cree will be open 24-7. Uh, more chances to play, more chances of winning, non- non-stop excitement on the biggest gaming floor in Western Canada. Plus, enjoy daily dining specials, uh, more than 10 great restaurants and bars. For more information, head to the RiverCreeResort.com. Uh, <laughs> we're having for for some reason it's just one of those days and it occasionally happens here um having some minor technical difficulties with the phone which is we're coordinating some guests on the fly and my my uh wireless is kicking in and out so i'm trying to i'm trying to make that happen no excuses uh what's the old saying a carpenter never blames his tools or something like that and i know i've been called a tool a lot over the years guests and oilers now receive gift certificates to roost chris steakhouse whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night of the town every meal is an occasion at roost chris steakhouse we go to our uh Regular Monday contributor to the show, our NHL insider for legacy heating and cooling. Whether it's heating or cooling you need, get it with no payments or no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy. Legacy heating and cooling. Our NHL insider and chief political correspondent, John Shannon, joins us right now. Hi, John. How you doing? Good, Bob. You? Good. Do you want to do the serious stuff or the fun stuff first? Oh, let's do the serious stuff first, get it out of the way. All right. Well, obviously, uh, Gary Bettman spoke today. Ongoing situation, uh, you know, involving uh, Kyle Beach uh, and the Chicago Blackhawks organization. Inevitable litigation uh, potentially to take place down the road. What did you make of Gary's comments today? Um, I thought it was okay. Uh, Certainly, it had to happen, which is a good thing. Uh, and to do it as expeditiously as he did the, the Monday after um, made some sense. His, his opening statement uh, talked about uh, how things needed to be improved, not just at the NHL level, but across the game of hockey and how the NHL will help facilitate that. That was a positive. The apology to Kyle Beach made sense. 
Um, but the interesting thing for me is that, uh, you know, the 30 to 40 minutes of questions after the fact probably, uh, probably elicited answers that people just wouldn't accept anyway. So you, you just you have to kind of read between the lines of of what people were asking and what people were saying, and 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 the dissatisfaction in the court of public opinion that people are with what's gone on and what's going on. Yeah, uh, there's a piece written by Ben Pope out of Chicago that uh, you know, and he he raises a very valid point. We have not heard from John McDonough. I mean. You know, no. you know, and that's well. They 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 did the law firm did so. He was he did testify within. He was one of the 139 that were interviewed. Right. Uh, so we did get his side of the story from from a uh, from an investigation perspective. Uh, and and the question becomes, and, and here's one for you: John McDonough no longer works in the National Hockey League or yep. for an NHL team. Does he have a responsibility to speak publicly? Does he? You know, I mean, people want him to speak. People want to hear from him. Um, but does he have a response? He was dismissed by the Blackhawks, no longer wanted by the organization. Um, does he have a responsibility to speak publicly? John, you're as well connected as anybody in the business on this sort of talk, on, on sort of the relationship between who's got power in organizations, you have your league sources. Would you say that at the time uh, of this incident that John McDonough as president wielded as much power as I had somebody suggest to me he was like Tom Hagen in The uh, Godfather. Like he had that sort of power in the Hawks organization. The Robert Duvall character, the consigliere, I believe they termed it. Uh, is that is that a, is that a fair assessment? Was he amongst the most powerful uh, presence in all of the uh, the NHL? Yes, no question. In fact, I would tell you at this point, uh, this would be this would have been two years, two and a half years after John took the job uh, with the Blackhawks. Um, he might have been the most powerful member of any club that wasn't an owner in the whole NHL. Yeah. You know, when you think about uh, the big names of people that we have had in this game, and some would suggest members of the old boys club, John McDonough was, because the Blackhawks, if you recall, the Blackhawks were the new uh, flavor of the week. They had They had improved. Uh, Joel Quinville had them had turned them around. Uh, they were a factor now in the playoffs. They had two young great stars, maybe three if you include Duncan Keith in that with Taves and Kane. Uh, they were a going concern, and not only that, the Madhouse on Madison was sold out every night, twenty-one thousand people, and they they he had done what no other person was able to do, in my opinion, and that was to make the Blackhawks relevant to the city of Chicago, not just to hockey fans in Chicago, but to the city of Chicago. Uh, and he, he, was, he was somebody that uh, was you know, on speed dial for the commissioner, there's no question about it, yeah. in 2010. And I know I've relayed this story to you before. Through Cal and Ken Nichols, uh, myself and a guy named Jack Cookson from Pro-Am Sports, we met the late Bill Wirtz in 2006 when the Oilers went in there in April. I actually had a glass of wine. We talked about the Muldoon curse a legendary uh, story that uh, make-believe story uh, about the Blackhawks. 
and uh, it's pretty interesting. I mean, all you need to do is 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 know where some of the you know the power that the Wirtz family has in the state of Illinois. And then there's McDonough coming in after Mr. Wirtz passes away. Rocky takes over uh, Peter and Rocky Wirtz, the sons. And McDonough leaves the Cubs and goes to the Hawks and changes things around. All right, so there's the John McDonough angle. One of the angles today on this Kyle Beach story was, uh, you know, where was the NHLPA in all of this? And I know that Darnell Nurse, uh, we ran a clip earlier today, Mark Spector. can't remember if it was Mark Spector or Ryan Rashog asked a question, a couple questions uh, to Darnell about where's the NHLPA at. Darnell's the PA rep. The question I have for you, John, is it possible that Don Fear ends up uh, ultimately uh, in trouble here too because of the lack of action on behalf of the NHL Players Association in supporting one of their uh, players? Well, I I. I th- whether Don fears in trouble or not, I think the 32 player reps are asking the question, what did we do or what didn't we do through this process? Because how it works in the PA is a little different. And I don't think we all understand how the PA works compared to how we assume a team in the league work. So who was who was responsible for relaying the information? Who who within the players association did it go to? Uh, Kyle maintains that it eventually got to at least on two occasions to Don Fear's desk, uh, and so there has to be some accountability. And uh, whether it's just Don Fear or whether it's the the regional reps that were involved in 2010 uh it's it's going to be it's going to be very interesting of of how the players find a way to police themselves and can help other players uh, you know and that's that's something i think that i think today i don't i don't think anything's going to happen today i think this is a first step in what's going to happen and whether they launch a an, a formal investigation into how it works but i suspect that there'll be a little more due diligence done than just one simple phone call today our nhl insider john shannon is uh, joining us right now in orders now john on the river Creek resort casino hotline switching focus the edmonton Oilers six and one on the season with a ridiculous power play it is currently 11 for 23 on the season. That's 47.8%. The Oilers have killed off 90% of their penalty-killing situations. They've killed off 18 of 20 shorthanded scenarios. That is plus 9 in goal differential on special teams. And, John, I'm noticing a little bit of a trend. And we'll have some people... uh, we've got a, a guy that uh, is a, an astute listener that's a San Jose Shark fan uh, every time I go down this path. But one of the trends I've noticed is Edmonton scored a go- power play goal in every game. But it seems to me if they get up by a couple on the power play, they're not getting any more calls, despite the fact that they have a couple of the uh, – and, and we saw this again on Saturday. Now, Connor McDavid spoke up earlier in the season, didn't draw a – power play in the four playoff games against the Winnipeg Jets. Took him a couple games. Well, actually, yes, Apoliarvi this year has drawn more power plays than Connor McDavid. Um, do you think, I mean, you know those people that are in that league office. They want to sell the stars, right? Don't they? Oh, sure. And we, and uh, I think they also they know the the power that Connor wields, and and I and I don't mean that the, he's walking in and shaking his fist, uh, but you know a smiling Connor McDavid 
uh, is much more effective for the history for the success of the National Hockey League that is one, that rather than one that doesn't want to really be involved in any of the NHL initiatives. So I think that that's important. Yes. Yeah, and I just I, I found it interesting the other. I mean, there. It, Edmonton had a pretty good game. They were better than the Canucks that night. They created a lot, and they didn't end up with a five-on. In fact, there wasn't technically a five-on-five goal scored in the game because the Canucks scored on a six-on-five. But uh, it, it, I, there were a couple times that I'm like, oh, they're, they're not giving them another one. Their power plays. Have you ever? I, I got to ask you this, Johnny. Have you ever, I mean, the last two plus years, you watched some really good power yeah. plays in the late '70s. Canadians and the Islanders had a really good power play. The Oilers of the early '80s had a really good power play, but. You ever seen anything like this over the last two plus seasons? No, no, I haven't. Um, and and qu- quite frankly, uh, I th- I didn't think it could get better this year from last. I figured there had to be a way that the other teams uh, would be able to break down the power play and and make it more uh, make penalty killing against the orders more effective. Um, and obviously, so far in seven games, that's just not the case. Uh, it, uh, it, 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 I think it speaks of a few extra things. I think, and, and really, we can sit here and talk about Leon and Connor all day long. Yes. But to me, it speaks of two two guys that are different, and that's I think that that it speaks to the growth of Jesse Pujarvi and the role that he has, and I think it speaks to Zach Hyman. I mean, the other two guys, the other two guys are one and one A. But, you know, systems work when support staff is better. And that, to me, is the, the, improved, the improvement in Pugliarvi every day. The maturation of Pugliarvi every day is important. And then the addition of Hyman certainly helps as well. Uh, by the way, I was wrong on the goal differential. Thank you to Woodguy for pointing out uh, plus 10. Because Edmonton Zach Hyman scored a shorthanded goal as well. So, hey, by the way, that's plus ten in seven games. Yes, in goal differential, which is that, that, that is phenomenal, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, what do you think the probabilities are that they finish with a combined uh, one hundred thirty-seven point eight on the power play in PK? <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. Is you don't, you don't think, huh? Well, hey, listen. Uh, I mean, what, what's what's the threshold? I mean, is 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 it thirty five percent in the power play, or can they stay at forty? Can they stay at forty? John, can they? And I'm serious about this. If they finish above thirty three percent, that would be amazing. Sure, it would. Absolutely, they, they might be able to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, and, and here's the other thing we're not talking about with all this is we're not talking about the power play points that Ryan Nugent Hopkins created, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ryan's, Ryan, had, I think he's still leading the NHL, even after last night leading the NHL in assists. So. Yeah, he's got 10, so he's still absolutely. Uh, all right, now we're going to have the fun stuff. Uh, it is Kevin Lowe Retirement Week this week. Uh, we've heard a clip from Dave Tippett. Uh, you worked those Battle of Albertas. If somebody would say to you, Kevin Lowe, what did he mean to the Edmonton Oilers? What would you say as a guy that was observing and uh, involved in uh, the broadcast of those games, John? So for the first two years that I was around the club, 79, 80, 80, 81, Kevin was a teenager. Kevin was, I mean, the, 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 I mean Kevin was in an apartment. Um, not far from the Chateau Lacombe, um, and so they were just—they were one of us. They, they were, it was a—it was an easier time, a friendlier time. And then, as the team got more competitive and the playoffs got more important, all of a sudden, the nickname "Vicious" started to come out. And and to me, more than anybody else, 
more than anybody else was to see and understand Kevin Lowe's competitive nature on the ice. That to me, because we, you, you could see it in Wayne every shift. You saw it uh, in, in, by year three, you saw it in Mark every shift. The, the, the temper and, and the focus that Kevin Lowe created on the ice, heck, even off the ice and maybe even the penalty box once in a while, uh, to me was, was one of those things that started to differentiate the hockey club is this team that he was he was one of those guys that you learned could play with an edge and it made a difference and 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 his teammates understood that when kevin stopped being kevin and started to be vicious then this team took another step and i you know who loved it more than anybody else glenn sather glenn sather loved that more than anybody else of kevin's ability to channel his temper and to be that much more uh, competitive on the ice. And that, to me, was something I'll never forget. Uh, were they the most electrifying team of all time, the 80s Oilers? I, I, I think the team that preceded them by five years, I think the Montreal team of the late 70s, and in many ways I think the one that Glenn Sather tried to exemplify, I think they were the ones that came closest in my time, I don't remember the I don't remember Montreal of the late fifties, uh, but I think the game was different by then. Uh, so I, I think the you know the when you had that first line in Montreal of Lemaire, Shot, and Lafleur, and then you had uh, you had Wayne's line, and then you had Mark's line. I think that they were the they were comparable in many many ways. The biggest difference for me from the two was you know as as good as Kevin was and and the defenseman and Paul Coffey were. Tough to beat uh, Robinson, Savard, and Lapointe on the blue line for Montreal. Yeah, for me, Larry Robinson. I, I, I know you know I feel this way, mainly because I didn't like Dave Schultz. I didn't like, I didn't like what the Flyers represented, and the Canadians kind of called their bluff. Some, it's too bad there's no video of this. That last preseason game between Philadelphia and Montreal uh, in Philadelphia yeah. at the Spectrum in 1975, the teams played back-to-backs. The Canadians brought in their 12 toughest players and just laid it out there and said, we're settling this. And they pretty much settled and Philly got the message like, you know what? Montreal could play down that path too. And part of the reason why they could do it, Larry Robinson, John. Oh, hey, listen, they were uh, as as quick as they were, as talented and, and, and as much finesse as they had, they were a force. Scotty knew that when he was coaching that team, uh, in order to beat teams like the Flyers and the Bruins, uh, and to a lesser extent, the Rangers. You had to have a physical presence. And he was able to find guys like Robinson that could combine both. There are a lot of guys on that team that were just tough guys. But, you know, the ability of, of a lot of players on that team uh, that could play chippy, could play uh, intense, and still finish, uh, that's what made them different than anybody else, any other team of the 70s. Yeah, awesome stuff. Uh, one final one for you. Darnell Nurse and Evan Bouchard, they've been paired together here. Bouchard's taken a quantum step forward already since, uh, you know, since training camp. I mean, he's out there in critical situations. Who's on the ice in the last minute? Well, it's Evan Bouchard. Darnell Nurse, is he as closest as we have today 
to a Larry Robinson-esque player. Now, look, he's he's got to play years to accomplish what Larry's accomplished, but the fact of the matter is didn't happen overnight for Larry. Uh, Darnell's big, rangy, left-handed shooting guy that can, you know, transport the puck, and uh, if he has to throw down, he's capable of throwing down. What do you think? Reach, or do you think there's something to it? It's a, it, it's it's not it's it's uh it, it's not a bad thought and i was actually watching on saturday night the the one thing that that, that occurred to me was in remembering darnell when he was in sault st marie darnell was such a great athlete uh, that he would take the puck from his own zone all the way down the ice, have a scoring opportunity, and then as the other team came back in transition, he would skate back and be back in position before anybody got there. And that was that. But that's what happens in junior hockey when you have the elite athletes. And Darnell tried to do that his first couple of years in the NHL and realized, hey, I'm not just the only elite athlete going on this league. Right now, Darnell's going through the transition of I of being much more cautious in the offensive zone and even moving the puck up the ice. Robinson, by the time he got through his apprenticeship, and that included time in Halifax in the American League, um, he was a little more aggressive um, carrying the puck up the ice. And I think at a certain point, we might see Darnell inherit a little bit of that and use his ability to just go up and down the ice if the coaching staff want him to do it. And that's something that might be the difference right now. Robinson as a rushing defenseman, because I don't think right now, you, the way he's playing right now, I'm not sure you can call Darnell a complete rushing defenseman. Larry Robinson became a rushing defenseman, Bob. Yeah, well, and Darnell, I mean, D- Darnell does transport it, whereas Bouchard transitions it because, yeah. I mean, he can just get the pie. He's just so, such a smart player. They have a player there. Uh, I don't think there's any question. Oh, he's they got leaps something. and bounds. They got Le- Leaps and bounds. John, yeah. great stuff. Thanks for your time. All right, Bob. It is 12.53 at Edmonton. Bob Stauffer at Rogers Place in Ice District. Edmonton and the Seattle Kraken tonight when we come back uh, for James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. We'll get to the Oilers now injury report. Hi, this is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stauffer on 630 Chet. Connor McDavid was bringing it, man, in Vancouver. He was, in fact, he's had two great games in a row, and he hasn't really been rewarded. Got a bit of a lucky deflection against Carter Hart in Philly on Wednesday, but Demko was terrific. The Oilers still won the game in Vancouver. McDavid leading the NHL and scoring 16 points in seven games. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott joining you. It is 12.57 in Edmonton. Edmonton and the Seattle Kraken. Dave Tomlinson, who works on the Kraken radio broadcast, spent years in the Vancouver market, uh, will give us a bit of a Seattle perspective coming down the pipe at about 1.15 today, and we'll have to talk about the curious case of Dave Tomlinson. We'll explain that a little bit later on as well. Uh, speaking of Seattle, Oilers now will have a road trip coming up to see the Oilers play the Kraken. This package includes a great game ticket, a welcome reception with yours truly, and special glass. Plus, you get to see the Seahawks host the 49ers on Sunday night football for the Oilers now Seattle road trip. Call New West Travel 780-432-7446 or go online at newwesttravel.com. As we... Go to the Oilers Now Injury Report. It's brought to you daily by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, the gang at jameshbrown.com. I've mentioned this before. Trent Brown's probably the best football player uh, out of the Golden Bears football program in the last 35 years or so. 
James H. Brown, unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. Here's Brendan Escott. Mike Smith, obviously still day-to-day with this lower body injury that's held him out a lot longer than originally anticipated. Seattle, uh, they were without Jared McCann last night against the Rangers. He's in COVID protocol now. Mason Appleton, day-to-day with a lower body problem. Chris Dreger, he hasn't played more than once this year. He's got an undisclosed injury. And Marcus Johansson, he's out indefinitely. Also a lower body problem. All right, uh, we will head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Uh, do a bit of a reset, the orders in the Kraken tonight. Dave Tomlinson at 115, and then an update from the farm with Jay Woodcroft at 135. You're listening to Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.